This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org and join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. Connecting to Christ. Experiencing life. From the Faith Assembly of God in Somerville, South Carolina, welcome to Faith Encounter. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? All my life, for the past 12 years, I've done things for the National Football League. They assign you five teams every year. Your pastor is the only one that when I said I was assigned to the Bengals was happy about it. Everybody else looks at me and goes, why? So at least this year I got that going for me. Now this morning, I got one minute and 25 seconds to convince everybody, especially in the balcony, to listen to me. You should be happy if you're in the balcony. If the rapture comes, you're going to get there right before us. That's right, that's right. I got one brother up there going, what's the rapture? It's going to be all right, little man. I got one minute and 20 seconds now to convince you to listen to me. So I decided I'd start by telling you a little bit about my past. My name is Reggie. I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm a volunteer fan. I love the volunteers. I don't like anything about South Carolina. I'm going to be honest with you right now. All I know about South Carolina, it's an ugly bird. That's all I know. It's all I know, and I'm sorry it's just the way I was raised, all right? But just be glad we ain't in Alabama because I'd have a lot more to say about you if you were from there. But because we're in the house of the Lord, I can't do that. So let's just go on. When I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, I was put into it a family, and my family crazy, my family crazy. I had parents who had rules. What up with that? How can you have rules? My parents were old school. I learned when I got older that kids can yell at their parents and get away with it. I yell at my parents, I'm going to school with a limp. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, here it is. Here it is. On the weekends, it was simple. The rules were simple. On Saturday, do what you want. Play with your friends. Have a good time. But on Sunday, everybody going to church. And the rule was simple. If you ain't ready when mama's ready, you're going like you look. Now, wait, I know y'all know this. I'm black, all right? And you can tell I kind of preach black. I tried to be white once. That just didn't go over too well. I used all the phrase. I said, how y'all doing? I said, get her done. It didn't work. So I decided I should just be black, all right? So now here it is. So, so, so here it was a Sunday morning. I have a brother. He was older than me. He taught me a lot. He taught me everything not to do. One Sunday morning, my dad came by our room and said, get up, boys, time to go. So I get up. My brother looks at me and he says, I ain't going. I'm 12. I'm a man. I do what I want. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here this morning to tell you that was the greatest Sunday of my life. Literally, I was like, what, there's something you have to understand. When you're 12, you're a man. You're a man. You're a man. Uh, uh, man. But also when you're 12, you're a little boy. So you have man, half child. So during the day, you're a man, and at night, you wear Batman pajamas. You know what I'm saying? 
because that was my brother. My brother had Batman pajamas. He wore them every night. It was a onesie. Ever see a 12-year-old in a onesie? It ain't right, y'all. He had little yellow booties on the bottom, had a belt, had a bat on a, with a little cape and a hood with pointed ears. He looked at me on that Sunday morning and said, I'm a man. I do what I want. I said, you got it, Batman. All right. He rolled over and went back to sleep. My dad comes back and goes, let's go. Sees my brother. Now, let me explain my dad to you. Are y'all right? Can I do this? Some of y'all looking at me like, it's too early for you to look in that shocked, all right? I'm sorry, I'm just a guest. I've never been here before. I'm like that dude that raised his hand back there. I get to go meet the pastor. Y'all got cookies? You do? Well, I'm going to visitor's lounge for sure. I'll meet you there, my brother. I got your back. Some of y'all are going, what is wrong with him? <laughs> I am drug free. All right, now here it is. Here it is. Just thought I'd add that, you know. I got to let people know. Now, 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 here it is. Now, here's, so, so, now you got to understand. You got to understand. My daddy big, all right? My daddy big. My daddy bald-headed. Got a vein right here. Pop up and down when he get mad. My daddy got a deep voice, deep voice. I remember when I was nine, he told me about drugs. My dad looked at me and went, boy. I'm like, yeah. And my dad was like, never do drugs. I went, nah. And my dad told me, if the drugs don't kill you, I will. I'm like, okay. Man, my dad scared me so bad, I drank NyQuil, get a hangover, all right? One time I got caught, I ate, I, ate like, I ate like four pounds of M&M's in one night. I was hungry. It tripped me out. M&M people popping up all over the room. Then I threw up, but it was cool. It was like a rainbow, all the colored M&M's. I thought, if this is drugs, forget it. So I ain't never done a drug. So my dad, like, he came around the corner. He says, let's go. And I looked and I pointed, and my dad looked at me, and the vein was like, and I'm like, and he says, what is this? And I went, he said he 12. And he said he a man. And he said, ain't no bald-headed black man going to tell him what to do. That's what he said. <laughs> now, hold on, y'all. Hold on. Let me explain. This is B.C., before Christ, you know, in my life. So my job was to get that brother in trouble. What my dad did next was kind of disappointing at first, but it got better. My dad looked at me and went, get in the car. And he leaned down and he scooped my brother up. And he says, if you ain't ready when mom's ready, you're going like you look. I have never seen a more gentle father in my entire life. He takes my brother outside and lays him in the back seat and looks at me and goes, shh, don't wake Batman. <laughs> we get in the car, we're going to church. After about the third stoplight, Batman woke up. My brother looked down and saw the bat flying on his chest. He's like, no! He looks at me and goes, help! I look at him and went, na 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 Batman. In the greatest Sunday of my life, y'all. We get to the church parking lot, and my dad's like, let's go! And my brother crying, snot flying everywhere. He's like, please, daddy, please. And my dad went, you be ready next time? He goes, oh, be ready. I'm laughing, I'm laughing. I see my mama shaking. I didn't know until later she wasn't crying, she was laughing too. My dad reached underneath the seat and pulled out a set of clothes. Worst Sunday of my life, y'all. Just thought I'd get you to listen to me. And by the way, that is a true story. My brother just retired. He was a U.S. Navy SEAL. I don't mess with him. So if you meet my brother, don't tell him I told this story. He'll break my leg. 
If you got your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to start reading at verse 21. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, thank you uh, for the men who were here yesterday. Thank you. Uh, we had a great day. We had a great day. If you're a wife and your husband didn't come yesterday, punch him in the throat right now. No, I'm just joking. No, don't do it. I don't want to see him gagging. It'll be like, but you missed a great day. It was a great day. And it's good to be with you, Pastor. Thank you for letting me be with you. Like he said, I'm on staff in an Assembly of God Church in South Florida, Fort Myers, Florida. My pastor's name is Dan Betzer. He's one of the, if not the greatest preacher on the face of the planet Earth. He hired me. And um, I'm just joking. <laughs> He's a wonderful man, and it's good to be here. I had the privilege and honor of growing up in an Assembly of God Church. Uh, that's rare being dark chocolate, you know what I'm saying? Let's just go on. So, uh, But I know that's where God wanted me to. Now, here's what I do. First of all, I, 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 I do sweat, dude, because I'm a black preacher. If you ever have a black preacher in this church and they don't sweat, kick them out your church. Because they ain't doing their job, all right? Number two, all I do is read the Bible. I'll stop every now and then, explain to you what I've learned from it, and we'll keep going. And at the very end, maybe something will happen, maybe it won't. But you got to understand, I'm an evangelist. Somebody is going to get saved this morning. Understand? Somebody is going to be touched by the presence of God this morning. Now, before I get started, there's one prerequisite that I have to do. If you're in this room and you love sin, you love your sinful nature, you love what you do, you love being nasty, you just like that, all right? Then you need to pretend you got to go to the bathroom, get all your stuff, and get as far away from me as possible. Because the longer you sit listening to me, the more in jeopardy your nastiness is of leaving you. Do we understand? All right? All right. Yeah, that's really good because now ain't nobody going to even get up and go to the bathroom because everybody's going to think you wrong. <laughs> She's going to get up while God and go, she nasty. Look at her. She got up and she gone. <laughs> that's the way to keep a crowd right there. <laughs> Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now, look, here's what I do. If you ain't used to black preachers, I'll have you talk to each other. I'll have you touch your neighbor and say something. This is a, this is a community activity, all right? So that's what church should be. Hello? And y'all into it. I could tell. Y'all sung that song. I thought I was not going to get the mic. When he started, nothing going to hinder me. Nothing. I'm like, oh, it's over. I was like, so I might as well just sit down and enjoy. It's just, y'all, y'all got it. I, just, I like that. But then some of you were just sitting there going, you who I'm after. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, stop. I love this. It's little stuff that the Bible says that we just read over and not think about. Do you notice that they tell you how he crossed the lake? They said this time he did it by boat. See, if we were just talking about any man, of course they use a boat. They didn't have submarines back then. Of course they use a boat. They didn't have bridges back then. Not that far. Of course they used a boat. But we ain't talking about a man. We're talking about the man. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, we're talking about the man. Because, see, when we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the Son of God. And if we're talking about Jesus, the Son of God, he could walk across the lake. He could ride a fish and never get wet across the lake. He could do whatever he got to do. So hit your neighbor and say, he the man. 
He the man. Now, okay, now we can move on since we know we're talking about the man. It says a large crowd followed him. And while he was by the lake, verse 22, then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hand on her so that she will be healed and live. Everybody say healed and live. I have a son. My son is 17. My son is 6'3", 265-pound nose guard. He's a man child. My son did something about, oh, four years ago that was absolutely wrong. He decided he wanted to play drums. And I'm one of those dads like, find your place. You find your place. So we'll get you drum lessons. So at school, he took drum lessons. One day, he stayed at his drum lesson a little too long, and he was late for English class. So he was running the English. He had one drumstick in his right hand, one drumstick in his left hand. He jumped to kick the door so that it would open and he can just run through it. But the janitor thought nobody was in the music wing for the rest of the day. So he deadbolt locked the door that my son jumped and kicked. There was a drumstick in his left hand. When he kicked the door... His whole body ran into the door, and the drumstick went through the corner of his eye all the way back and hit his brain. Now, he's standing there, and literally, he's like, ow. No, this is the words of my son. I said, ow, and then I reached up and grabbed the stick, and I pulled it out. I said, why did you do that? He said, you can't go to the office with a drumstick hanging out your eyeball. And I said, you're a smart kid, son. So they go to the office, and they saw a little blood coming out of his eyeball. It was immediately swelling up. They called my wife. Oh, I happened to be in Sydney, Australia at the time. Uh, by the time I get the call, my son, they had induced him and put him in a coma so that his temperature would go down. There were five spots on his brain, and they thought that his eye was lost forever. I immediately decide, I got to get home. But I couldn't find a flight for four days. Well, what am I going to do for four days until my flight leaves? I'm preaching. I decided if the devil touched my child, I'm going to touch the devil's children. I saved as many people in Australia in the next four days. I preached like a mad machine. You don't touch my children. You understand? Listen to me. Some of you need to decide to get mad instead of laying down and dying. Some of you need to decide if he's going to try to mess with my family, he's messing with the wrong brother. He's messing with the wrong sister. I think that one person can save an entire generation. If you're worried about your children, you need to fight for them on your knees. Fight for your babies. They ain't gone yet. If they still breathing, somebody can reach them. Touch your neighbor and say, somebody can reach him. To make this long story short, I started praying. And literally, this came to my mind about this guy, this dude, this Jarus. I like Jarus. Because when somebody, somebody had told him his daughter was dead. Somebody told him it was over. Somebody told him, take her home and hug on her and love her until she dies. And he decided, I ain't going out like that. I'm not going down. There's this man named Jesus. I will find him. And even though I was in Australia and they were in South Florida, I decided to find Jesus. So I get on the plane, I'm flying home. Instead of flying to Fort Myers where we live, I flew to Tampa. I went to St. Petersburg Children's Hospital. Great people. When I got there, I said, I need to find my son. And they said, he's not here. And I'm like, oh, my heart just dropped. And the lady looked at me. She could tell. And she went, no, no, no. We released him. 
I said, you couldn't. They had induced it. They put him in a coma. So, oh, yeah. He woke up. We couldn't keep him asleep. And when he woke up, we just decided he just let him go home. She goes, it was the most incredible thing. Bizarre. They gave him the drugs, but he kept waking up. Say, he's like an animal. I said, yeah, that's my boy. So I drive home. Before I drive home, the doctor, he, he came out and he talked to me. He says, any change, anything, anything, you got to bring him back as soon as possible. I said, okay. He said, it'll be a year and a half to two years before we hope that the spots disappear. And then we hope there's no permanent damage. We have to keep checking him. I said, well, I thought he was damaged already. <laughs> and the doctor's like, shut up. I said, I'm just joking. All right. My, my son's awesome. He's great. He's the funniest kid ever. I would tell you stories, but we ain't got time. Now, so I go home, right? And, and two days later, my son comes out. His eye is just huge. And he's looking at me. He goes, Dad, this is the funniest thing. I said, what? He goes, if I cover up my good eye, everything's upside down. That gives you a little glimpse of my son right there. Nothing phases him. He's like, this will be cool. I can see the upside down right, upside down right. I said, dude, son, you're not supposed to try to open your eye. He goes, I'm not. It's doing it on its own. They said that that muscle was shattered, ripped, torn. They said that they would take the muscle that helps him, like, blink and put it on top so that he can leave his eye open if it does work. And every night before he goes to bed, he would have to tape his eye shut. But somehow that muscle was working again, and it was drawing itself back again. So we decided to go to the doctor. This is like four days, all right? We go back to the doctor. They go, well, since he's here, let's do a CAT scan. Let me look at his brain. So he looked at his brain. We were there at 8 in the morning. Now it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We're just sitting there going, okay, I'm going to kill myself. Dude, that's what they do in hospitals. They make you stay there long enough until you think you're sick. I mean, I'm like going, okay, something's wrong with me now. <laughs> and my wife's like, behave. I'm like, okay, I'll behave. So the doctor comes out. He puts us in a room, and he comes in. When we walk in the room, there's nine other doctors in there. And I'm like, okay, this is either very good or this is very bad. And when we sit down, they said, Mr. Miss Dabs, we need to explain something to you, and we need to explain it to you right now. You see the picture on the right? That's your son's brain. And they counted. They had little markers and little arrows. One, two, three, four, five. Those are the spots. This is the CAT scan that we did today. We can't find any damage. There's no spot. It can't happen like this. There's no way that this. Okay. So my wife's like, my wife's like, okay, okay. Because she gets like, have you ever, like, when something happens to her boy and the doctor comes in, she gets tunnel vision. All of a sudden, all she hears is, I'm like, and I'm like, uh, you don't understand what he's saying. I said, are you telling me he's fine? They go, look, his eye, that muscle, it's still there. It must have stretched, but it didn't tear. So the last few days, it's been getting itself back together again. So it's making his eye open. And also, that ain't all. His eyeball is absolutely fine. All I got to do is turn the retina around, and I think I can do that. I said, what? He said, he flipped his eyeball around? She goes, look, I don't understand. I don't know. We'll just bring him back in a week, and we'll have to do surgery. A week later, the swelling's almost all gone. He can see perfectly straight and everything's fine. They never did a surgery. They never touched my child. Nothing happened. But I believe that when you find a king, he can do something for your baby. So I believe like Jairus, hit your neighbor and say, God's live. He lives. Look, you got to understand something. So so, so I'm reading this. I'm preaching. I'm like going, oh, this is good. This is what I did. And Jesus looks at Jairus and says, I'll go with you. Now let's read on. Check this out. It says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all that she had. But instead of getting better, she grew worse. Goodness. Can you say strike one, strike two, strike three? She's out. 
It says, when she heard about Jesus. Oh, I like that. That means somebody cared enough about this woman to tell her that Jesus was coming through town. Somebody cared enough about this woman to tell her that he could make a blind man see. He could make a crippled man walk. Somebody who loved this woman told her that if he could do those things, maybe he can help you. Now, I'm asking a friend of mine. They're doctors and stuff. Because this whole issue thing, I don't understand issue. I think everybody has issues, especially a lot of my relatives. They got big issues, and they got issues, especially my wife's family. They got issues. But we don't want to go there. But um, now you got to understand something. That every The issue I found, I asked a doctor friend. I said, if you have an issue of blood, then what is mo- what makes you so, why does it hurt? He goes, it hurts to walk. I'm like, oh. Okay, I can understand that because it hurts to sit. Oh, wow, okay. It hurts to lay down. I said, wait. It hurts to walk, sit, lay down. That's it. He goes, yeah. No matter what you do, it hurts. 24-7, 365 days a year. It hurts to be touched. It hurts to be held. It hurts to speak. It hurts to do anything that a human does. It hurts. I said, wait, and she had this for 12 years. He went 12 years. I mean, what if she had children? I mean, what if she had a husband and like twin boys? And, and then, and then she, they were four when she got sick. Now they're 16. We call it 12 years. It started out with the dad going, mom, don't feel well. She'll be better tomorrow. Then it was, mom, don't feel well. She'll be better next week. Then it was, mom don't feel well. She'll be better next month. Then it's, I don't know. Now, what does that do to a relationship? I mean, the kids, when they were little, they used to get lunches, and their lunches, mom used to make sandwiches, and she'd peel the crust off the edges, and then she would slice the sandwich diagonal. Look at me, little children. If your mama don't slice your sandwich diagonal, she don't love you. I'm sorry, little man. That little boy on the 18th row back there like, Just joking. <laughs> and then it was up to dad to make the lunches. Dads don't make lunches. We can't make lunches. There are certain things we don't do. We don't make lunches, and we can't do girl birthday parties. Don't do it, sir. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. I mean, these boys, mom, sandwiches, cuts, diagonal. All of a sudden, now they're going to school with Pop-Tarts. Hard-balled eggs. Then one day, Dad forgets to hard-balled eggs. It's just not good. See, see, some of you are going, no, wait a minute. Is that true? Is that? No. you got to understand, if you really want to know the Bible, put yourself into it. Some of you are like, she suffered for 12 years, and then God healed her. Great. Do you know the depression that can set in after six months or three months or even two months? Man, I had my Achilles redone, and I was in this boot, and it hurt all the time. Man, I was ready to cut my leg off. Could you imagine 12 years of not being able to sit, not being able to walk, not being able to lay down, not being able to be held, not being able to be touched, not being able to kiss your children, not being able to do. She was desperate. So desperate that she decided to turn to Jesus. Some of you have wandered into this church and you're desperate. Before it gets any worse, I think you need to turn to Jesus. Here's what she did. Here's what she did. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in a crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Oh, 
my goodness. Dude, if we had that kind of faith, we could change everybody in this room, everybody in this city, everybody in this state, and everybody in America. You just got to believe deep down inside. You got to believe that hope can come through for you. You got to believe that grace can come through for you. You got to believe that mercy can come through for you. You got to believe that Jesus died for you, and he rose again for you, and he can make a way out of no way for you, that he can turn your darkness in the day, that he could be your joy in the time of sorrow, that he could be your hope for your tomorrow. You just got to believe. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to believe. Come on, touch your other neighbor and say, you got to believe. Listen, 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 listen. Jesus once realized power had gone out from him, and he topped, he turned around and said, who touched my clothes? Can you imagine? There's a crowd of people pushing in, and all of a sudden Jesus goes, hey, who touched me? If I was a disciple, I would blame Peter. Because if anybody did it wrong, it was Peter. And even if Peter didn't touch him, he'd go, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. He turned around and he immediately said, who touched me? The disciple says, look at the people pushing in. You ask who touched me? Jesus still said, who touched me? Verse 32. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell at his feet with fear and trembling and told him the whole truth. If you are wondering why you can't stay close to God, if you are wondering today why you get right and get messed up, get right and get messed up, then maybe you need to do what this woman did. Because before Jesus ever spoke to her, she did something that opened his mouth on her behalf. It says that she fell at his feet with fear and trembling and she told the whole truth. Maybe you need to tell the whole truth on this Sunday morning. Maybe you need to cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you this Sunday morning. Maybe you need to not hold anything back. Come on, I got to get there. I got to get there. Oh, no, I'm good. No, I'm not. I I know what's coming. That's why I'm in. Some of you like, it ain't that. You're doing good. No, you got to wait till you see what's happening next. Then Jesus spoke in verse 34. Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Listen to me. When you tell tell the whole truth, he'll speak to you. When you tell the whole truth, he'll heal you. When you tell the whole truth, he'll change it. Because he promised. Here's what's cool. This is like an all-you-can-eat Sunday buffet. Because you start out with this story about Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Now you've totally forgot about him because you got this woman with a bunch of issues. Now she's taken care of, and this comes in. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from Jairus' house. Oh, there he is, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they had said, Jesus said to the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. All right, let's do this. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. Just believe. Say it again. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I want everybody on the count of three to breathe in. One, two, three. Now breathe out. Let's do it one more time. Ready? Breathe out. Because I want you to breathe in and breathe out the last time you're going to be like this. Because once we go on, everything changes. Everything changes. Some of y'all looking at me like me. You're pretty arrogant. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because I have been found in Christ. I only can boast in what he's done for me. Y'all have no idea, do you? 
I'm getting ready to lay. I'm just going to drop it on you. I'm just going to lay it out, and then we're going to see what happens. I'm telling you right now, you will never be the same again. That's why I wanted you to breathe in and breathe out the old you. Because some of you are like, well, I'm already saved. I'm already sanctified. Well, if you're telling yourself you're sanctified, you got a problem already. Now, here it is. Bible says we won't be complete until we see him face to face. That means everybody in this room can take a little step closer to the king, a little step closer to his love, a little step closer to his joy, a little step closer to his peace, a little step. Come on, come on. Touch your neighbor and say, let's take a step together. Oh, if you're married, look at your spouse and say, let's take a step together. Oh, dude, y'all, I, I can't hold it back anymore, okay? So here it is. Let's just go. The girl in the second row said, let's go. All right. Verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion, people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and he said to them, why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but only asleep. But they laughed at him. Stop. Okay, now look, it says they laughed at Jesus. It says they laughed at Jesus. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what kind of picture you have of Jesus, but everybody has one in their own mind. I don't know what color skin he has in your mind, but I know what he is for me. Some of you have like a white dude with blonde hair and a white dress and a purple sash running through the woods going, peace, all right? That's quite all right if that's the kind of Jesus you have. Let me show you mine. Anybody ever see Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator? Hello? My idea of Jesus, Jesus is Arnold, and Jesus is a Terminator, and he's got his guns loaded, and he's looking at the screen going, I'll be back. Now, some of you are going, prove it, okay? I'll prove it. Check this out. It says he's only asleep, but they laughed at him. Look at the next phrase. After he put them all out. Oh, hello. That's what I like right there. You laugh at me again. Yeah, yeah. You just laugh. I'm here to tell you right now, let your family laugh at you. Let your coworkers laugh at you. Let them laugh. Let them laugh. They wasn't there when Jesus found you. They wasn't there when he wrapped his arms around. They don't know where he pulled you out of. So don't you worry about them. God will take care of them. Let them laugh. Let them laugh. Let them laugh. Let them laugh. God will take away their little laugher box. I'll tell you right now. I like this. I like this. That's why I don't have to defend myself. He's going to take care of it. But man, I can't wait to get to heaven to rent that video. Jesus jacked everybody. Get out. Everybody running. See, we've gone too far to turn back now. I got to read it one more time. After he put them all out. Ha <laughs> ha. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples that were with him, and they went to where the child was. Verse 41, he took the little girl by the hand, and he said to her, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, her toe wiggled. No. Immediately, her finger moved. No. Immediately, her eyes flickered. I just like saying that, flickered. No. Immediately, she took a deep breath. <gasps> no. The Bible says, immediately, <laughs> the girl stood up, walked around, and began to talk. Y'all catch that? That means absolutely nothing. 
Oh, it does. Here's why I came to your church. Now, I would like to ask you to forgive me for not acting like I'm a visitor today. I decided to act like I'm at home because the man of your church told me yesterday, tomorrow, you act like you at home. You act like you at home. You just make yourself comfortable. So that's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching today. Now, here it is. There are people in this room who need to listen to me very closely. Because even though you may have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are still in a place that he does not want you to be in. Some of you do not know Jesus Christ, and you're definitely in a place he does not want you to be in. I'm here to tell you why you're in that place. It's because you have yet to let go of something that happened to you in your past. I am here to tell you this right now. Jesus Christ wants to go back to the day of your pain, back to the day of your shame, back to the day of your sorrow. He wants to go back. If it was yesterday, then it's yesterday. Last month, last year, maybe 20 years ago, maybe 40 years ago. But wherever it was, it's like this. It's maybe something that your mama said or maybe it's something that your daddy did or maybe it's a night you wish you'd have stayed home or maybe it's a day that you wish you can just erase out of your life but you cannot you can't push delete on this but i'm here to tell you right now jesus wants to go back to that day and he wants to take the little girl by the hand he wants to take the little boy by the hand and he wants to speak into your ear little girl get up Because you don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to be that way anymore. It doesn't have to hurt you like this anymore. Some of you are held back from doing what God wants to do. From him using you because you remember something in your past. The Bible says your past is nothing but a testimony of what the blood of Jesus Christ has done in your life. And if the blood of Jesus can't cover it, then God ain't God. But he is God. Touch your neighbor and say it's time to get up. Touch your other neighbor and say it's time to get up. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter what rolls in your head. It doesn't matter what you remember what they said. Y'all, they ain't nothing. Jesus is everything. And he says, I love you. I love you enough to die for you. I love you enough to give my life away for you. I love you enough that even if you say no, I'll still die for you. Everybody has something in their past, even me. I love talking about my mom and dad. But you know what I love even more? is when I get to tell people they're not my mom and dad. They took me to church every day. My brother was there, Batman. Along with my four other brothers and my two other sisters. My parents were older. Could have been my grandparents. I'm in foster care. I grew up with a different name everybody in the family till I was in the fifth grade. And they changed my name to be like theirs. When I was eight years old, my mom and dad came to school for a parent-teacher conference. And I noticed all my friends' parents were young and my parents were old. So I looked at my parents in the car riding home that day and said, why y'all old? Hey, don't do that, man. (laughs) You're way too old to do that now. When we got home, my mom just cried, and she simply said, there's a plan and a purpose for your life. My mom said, you cannot change your past, but you can change your future. And she showed me my birth certificate that said, orphan property of the state of Tennessee. They began to tell me that my mom slept with a man for $20 to get food for her son and her twin daughters because her mom and dad had left her, abandoned her, and that I'm the result of that $20 bill. They told me that my mom couldn't raise me, but she at least had me, and that she gave me to the mom that I have. And I said, why would she give me to you? She said, I was her favorite school teacher. 
in school. I was her 10th grade English teacher, and she wished I could have been her mom as well. She goes, Reggie, listen to me. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Yeah, it took time. I'll never forget when I was 10, I used to ride the city bus to school. I would go to the end of the street and get on the bus. It would take me downtown. When I got downtown, I'd get off the first bus, get on the second bus, and it would take me to school. One morning, I got off the first bus, and I'm running, and I miscalculated, and I ran into a man. And when I ran into him, I looked up, and I noticed he wasn't too dark. He wasn't too light. He was like Carmelo, like me, you know what I'm saying? And he patted me on the head and said, excuse me, son, move me out of the way. And he kept walking. My brain simply thought, he said, son. And at 10, my brain went, that's your dad. So I totally forgot about school, and I followed the black guy. He turned left, he turned right, he went into a building I couldn't go in. And I stood on the street corner and it hit me. I was all alone. I was all alone. And I just stood there and cried. The bus was gone. I know people watch me cry. But nobody stopped. But then came Jesus. And he took me by the hand. And he said, little boy, get up. I'm not a mistake. I'm not the son of a prostitute. These are the names that the world gave Reggie. But Jesus changed my name. He calls me a prince. He calls me worthy. Are you listening to me? Some of you had no idea. You just lay just a preacher, grew up in church. Oh, no. But he took my hand. Some of you brothers in this room, today's the day you're going to let Jesus take your hand and say, little boy, get up. Some of you have done things, gone places you wish you've never gone. You wish your memory could just be erased. No, no, no. It's a part of the testimony of the grace and the love of God. Some of you girls are remembering things. You can't, you can't, you can't. You even look at your own kids and you're like, oh, no, I don't deserve them. Some of you are here this morning. You're like, why is he talking like this? He ain't even a no. He shouldn't be here. He can't say this. Please forgive me. I would never embarrass you. But I got to do what God called me to do. Because if I don't preach right, he won't let me sleep. And I love to sleep. I love to sleep. Sleeping is my friend. Some of you are like, boy, you crazy. I know. I'm crazy about you because you're people. And I'm crazy about Jesus. Because I know the day that he took me by the hand and said, little boy, get up. And I did. And everything changed. I am not in charge of my life, y'all. I think I am, but I I've come to the realization I cannot be in charge. Because there's no way I could do the things God has done for me. Let's just review. My mom sleeps with a man for $20, gives me away to her favorite teacher in school, keeps her son, keeps her twins, and gives me away. A favorite teacher raises me, takes me to church. I give my life to Jesus. By the time I'm 18, I'm at the University of Tennessee playing football. I have a speech class. The speech teacher gives me three minutes to tell 785 classmates in my speech class three minutes why they should like me. I have everybody rolling for two minutes and 58 seconds. Then I tell them I'm okay because of Jesus, and I sit down. That professor says, see me after class. After class, he says, if you go with me on Thursday, I'll give you an A for the class, and you don't even have to come back anymore. And I said, the Lord has given away for me. So Thursday, he takes me to a middle school. He's a motivational speaker in schools. 
he does a middle school assembly program. And five minutes before the end, he says, I want you to meet my friend Reggie. He's a football player at Tennessee. I get up. I tell my story. Kids start crying. Teachers start crying. I look at teachers and I say, I just want to thank every teacher in this room because you're my hero. Because if it wasn't for a teacher, I wouldn't be here today. I get hugged by kids. I got little boys and girls coming and going, I'm in foster care. I'm in foster care. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I like this. The professor, whom before he dies at 89, I get to lead to Jesus Christ. Lays a burden on my heart that not only do I have to, I could be a preacher, but I could be a preacher who goes undercover in the public schools of America and the world. Now, first, I just wanted to help the friends in America. Here it is. Today, I speak to two million high school students and junior high students every year face to face on countries like America, Malaysia, Indonesia, China, Japan, Russia, Poland. The United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, the kingdom of Tonga, Samoa. These are the places I go all the time. Then I get this. You should write a book about your past. And I say, no. Who's going to read that? Then as I get older, I start thinking, if I die and Jesus doesn't come back, maybe it should be in print. Maybe somebody who I can't get to will read it and find Jesus. So me and one of my friends write my book. It took us two and a half years. My wife wakes up in the middle of the night and goes, hey, you ever heard of Thomas Nelson? I said, nope, except the book company. She went, that's what I dreamed, Thomas Nelson. So I found out who the president of Thomas Nelson was and sent him a copy of my book. Three hours later, he calls me and says, are you the MC of Promise Keepers? Yes, I am. He goes, huh, I've been to Promise Keepers. I like you. And I really like your book. I want it. Have your agent call me. So I ain't got one. He said, well, have your lawyer call me. I said, I ain't got one of those either. He says, this is going to be crazy. Because can you come see me? I said, yep. So I went and saw Thomas Nelson. So in 2011, the first week of March, they're releasing my book. Not only that, but it's going to be in every secular market in the United States of America, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. I am the first author without an agent or anything that they've signed. Now, some of you are going, oh, now he's bragging. Oh, no, I'm not. You know what it goes back to? The day I let my pain go, the day I let my hurt go, the day I let my sorrow go, the day I decided, hey, who cares how I got to this planet? I'm here now. And you know what? Call me what you want, but I'm going to change the world for my king and my savior, Jesus Christ. It happened when the day I let him take my hand. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to get up. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to get up. And guess what? Got to get up now. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. I don't have to be done until 1030, and it's 1015. I like it. I like it. Hey, youth pastor and your wife, come, come here for a second. Yeah, yeah. See, pastor has to go. I know. He's going to preach at another church. But y'all come right here in the middle. Right here in the middle. Right here. Hey, you have a music pastor, don't you? Where he at? Ooh, he ain't here. He eating donuts. Oh, that's, oh no, there he is. Honestly, 
This man is my friend. You know why? I'm a city boy, all right? I am a city boy. I, can't, I grew up in the ghetto, and I noticed a couple of things. Number one, look in his right pocket. That is a knife clip. So let's just say this is the safest sermon I've ever preached in my life. Because if your music pastor is like knife, then I can't imagine what some of you brothers in this room got. <laughs> there ain't nobody going to rock up in this place and try anything. It would be meet your Jesus day and faith assembly. Some of you are like, you were giving an altar call. Oh, yeah, I know. It's, I'm like that. All right, come out here. Come out here. Right, 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 right. Here's why. Here's what we're going to do. Because you got to understand, I don't let people come to an altar by themselves. I just can't. You, you've done everything on your own. You've been alone so much. And why would I let you come here and be alone? I can't think of a better couple to meet you at this altar. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for hurt and pain and sorrow. And then at the end, I'm going to say, little girl, get up. Little boy, get up. And if you know this sermon was for you, and you need Jesus to touch the past, I simply want you to just stand up, slide out of your seat, and come up here. Stand with Pastor, and we're going to all pray together. And then you will beat the Baptist to the buffet. Let's pray. This podcast has been a presentation of Faith Assembly, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Thank you for listening this week.